Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. Our topic tonight involves 16 men and one woman, but it's not about a Civil War memorabilia show or a historical miniatures war game convention. It's based on a collection of letters written to and from Lizzie Brick of New Jersey and 16 of her friends and relatives in the Army of the Potomac. Professor James Scythes has edited this correspondence and published it in a book titled Letters to Lizzie, the story of 16 men in the Civil War and the one woman who connected them all. We'll talk about it with Professor Scythes tonight on Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. Happy New Year. The year 2023 is underway. It's our first show of the season. Coming to you tonight, not from the Brewster Building, but from the Civil War Talk Radio World Headquarters Annex on Oxford Road in Greenville, North Carolina. And uh, not speaking for the university where I work, because I'm not, I'm not even on campus. I don't even have to tell you that. I'm not using their equipment tonight. But just so you know, that's ECU, and I'm, uh, I work there, but don't speak for them. And likewise, my guest does not speak for anyone but himself. It is the first show of the spring season of 2023. Spring is used uh, in the academic sense. It's middle of winter outside. But uh, it is the, the new year, and hope that you had a great holiday season wherever you are. And uh, as we did here, our, uh, our two grown-up girls, former Greenville Stars youth soccer players, now adults, were home for, the, uh, for much of the time. And uh, their, uh, their boyfriends were here at different times as well, with the result that the house was full. And... Uh, young people have so much energy. Uh, they they brought uh, everything to life. It was a wonderful break. Uh, 
but they not only have so much energy, they absorb so much energy. Uh, there was uh, nothing restful about the holiday season. It was just uh, one one activity after another, and all of them pleasant. Uh, I did not do any academic work while they were here. I, I'm sure you've seen that uh, cartoon of the person on their deathbed and saying, oh, if only I'd spent more time at the office. Uh, I made a point to spend family time just with family. That has had repercussions over the past week. School's back in here at ECU, and uh, I have a a four-course semester for the first time, possibly ever, but uh, that's how things go for. If you don't recall how college terms work, uh, that that's a full load of nothing but teaching. That's 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 about as much as anyone does. Um, and uh, so my voice after starting teaching this week is is worn to a frazzle. And worse so that today we had uh, interviews for our department chair. Uh, we did some online interviews. I'm on the search committee for that, and did six hours of online interviews. So. I'll introduce our guests, say, talk about your book for the next hour, and then just be quiet the rest of the show. Or at least that would be nice, but wouldn't be fair. We won't do that. Uh, In important non-Civil War news, the college football season is over, and uh, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise that my alma mater played poorly and was upset in the semifinal game because they did not have to play the team that won the championship from Georgia. Congratulations to them. They should be promoted to the next league up to the NFL and then relegate some team like, I don't know who's, who's terrible this year, Carolina Panthers, put them in college. That would be the way to do it. But, but that's not how we run football in America. Well, uh, what we do run here in America is Civil War Talk Radio, and we have a series of shows lined up for the new season. Uh, next week, uh, we'll be talking with Stephen Cowie, whose book is called When Hell Came to Sharpsburg, The Battle of Antietam, and its impact on the civilians who called it home. Then on the 25th of January, Hampton Newsom, who's been on the show more than once, will be back. His latest effort is about Gettysburg's Southern Front, Opportunity and Failure at Richmond. What happened while the armies were up in Pennsylvania? There was still something happening, apparently, and we'll learn what it was in Virginia. And then on February 1st, Eric Michael Burke's first book, Soldiers from Experience, The Forging of Sherman's 15th Army Corps, 1862-1863, has been getting a lot of buzz among those who've read it, and I look forward to being one of them shortly. And that's enough to whet your appetite for now. We will have Gary Gallagher on the show. Uh, That'll be February 15th to talk about his new edition of Bruce Catton's Army of the Potomac trilogy. Had to reschedule that from last December, but that'll be coming up soon. So looking forward to being able to talk with him about that, as always. A quick reminder that you can always find out what's going to happen next at Civil War Talk Radio by going to www.impedimentsofwar.org where our webmaster, Mark Gaffney, puts up the old shows and tells you who's going to be on the new shows so you can hear the old ones. And he reports to me we are approaching show number 600 that may come about this semester. Uh, 
who would have thought in 2004 when we were doing something called internet radio, because the word podcast hadn't been coined yet, that these internet radio shows would be archived and listened to on iPods, and people would start calling them podcasts, and this, the original history podcast, would end up 600 episodes and 20 years later. So, you can find out about that. Uh, also, uh, you can buy buy the merchandise there, buy the uh, Civil War Talk Radio t-shirts, mugs, and especially, uh, you can get a rare and uh, almost unique uh, Eastern Carolina University t-shirt. I got so tired of ESPN mis labeling our school that I went with the flow and designed an Eastern Carolina t-shirt. It's really East Carolina. And uh, and put them on sale next to the, uh, the, the Civil War Talk Radio merch. And then went ahead and bought one for myself. And I think that's the only one sold so far. So if you buy one, you will have the second Eastern Carolina University t-shirt. And People will see it, and they won't get it, and that'll be the end of the story. But you'll know it's funny. Well, let's move on and talk Civil War. Our guest tonight is James M. Sides. He's been on the show uh, before. We talked two years ago, almost to the day, right at the beginning of January 2021, or three years ago, 2020. He'll will set me straight on that. Um to talk about his book, This Will Make a Man of Me, The Life and Letters of a Teenage Officer in the Civil War. And during that show, and, and since, he and I have talked, and he said he was working on this project of uh, a, a correspondence unlike any other in, in Civil War letters that either of us had ever heard of. And it now appears between covers. It's called Letters to Lizzie the story of 16 men in the Civil War, and the one woman who connected them all. Uh, Jim, are you there? I'm here, Jerry. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm, I'm delighted to do it and, and very interested in talking about this book. Um, this this was... Uh, did you find these letters when you were working on the previous book? I know you and I have spoken in the interim about this I, I think was it at Gettysburg we talked about this and uh, uh, yeah we talked about the letters at, at CWI um, actually I started work I started using the letters or I was introduced to the letters when I was an undergraduate um, ah. I used about 40 of the letters when I was an undergrad I wrote my senior seminar paper on three of the soldiers who wrote to Lizzie not really sort of looking at the Lizzie aspect, um, just looking at the men and their experiences. All three of the men served in Company G of the 12th New Jersey, um, so I followed them through the war. Um, and then I used a couple of the letters when I wrote my first book. And, and then um, after I finished my first book, I was looking for a new project and decided to look at the entire collection at the Historical Society. All these letters are at my local Historical Society. So I spent one summer and, and read through all the letters and photocopied all the letters and then um, um, decided to transcribe the letters and, and write a story about Lizzie and, and all of her friends. So where is this Historical Society? Where are the letters now? 
So the, the letters are at the Gloucester County Historical Society, which is in Woodbury, New Jersey. I'm actually the, the current president of the Historical Society, so um, it was, you know, I have pretty easy access uh, to the letters. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the letters, I don't know exactly when the letters were donated. Um, unfortunately, um, our records aren't all that uh, detailed of, of all of our sessions. Um, mm-hmm. um, but the, the letters have been, have been there ever since the, the, at least the early 1990s when I was in college. So uh, this, you said this uh, Gloucester uh, Historical Society is in New Jersey. I, looking at the map, I get the impression if you're going up the turnpike uh, coming up from Delaware toward New York, it's off to the east, not too far away. Is that correct? Correct. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So I live actually in New Jersey. I live in Mullica Hill where one of the soldiers lived. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm exit two on the New Jersey Turnpike. So that's how, um, you know, people in New that's Jersey how to find sort it. of identify themselves. Um, and in Woodbury is just like two towns over from me. So it takes me like 20 minutes to drive there. Okay. Well, that 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 helps me identify. I've, like many listeners, driven up and down the Turnpike many times. And now next time I go by, I will say, I I know what's over that direction. Uh, so the now you pointed out in the introduction that all the letters but one are from this collection. Uh, you own one of them, however. Uh, how did you come by that? Yeah. So it's 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 sort of like exactly when I was writing my first book, um, stuff pops up on eBay, and um, my cousin actually. Uh, my cousin Don, who you met at, at the CWI a few years ago, mm-hmm. he had texted me. It was actually during COVID, uh, during a lockdown. He had texted me and said that he thought uh, there was a letter on eBay uh, that was written to Lizzie. So I hopped on eBay and looked, and it was written by David uh, David Eldridge, who was uh, one of the guys, actually, that I I used his letters when I was in undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of his letters to Lizzie written in November of 1862. So um, I put a rather large bid to make sure that I got the letter. <laughs> and um, luckily I did get the letter and, and um, um, added it to the collection. Unfortunately, David is, is one of the worst writers of, mm. of the 16 <laughs> men. So his letters are, are very difficult to to transcribe, I actually I, I use the word translate when I write his or when I go through his letters because it, um, is this a is lot this of the spelling or difficult to read? I'm yeah, sorry. Do you mean is this because of spelling or handwriting? Um, his is spelling. Yes, yeah, some ah. some of them it was both, but his was spelling. Um, so it was it was trying to decipher exactly what he was saying. Um, as I had to do with, with a number of the men, because many of them had very little, if any, education. So, um, yeah, it was it was pretty difficult transcribing a lot of these letters, and, and unfortunately now I have to wear glasses after after <laughs> transcribing the 124 letters. Well, I want to come back to that point about the, the letter writing quality, but just in the last 30 seconds before our break, the eBay phenomenon is quite something. Mark Dunkelman, who's the 
the the living embodiment of the 154th New York Regiment uh, in his, his regular newsletters describes constantly finding new things related to his regiment that he studies uh, on eBay or other people find it and send it to him. Do you suppose there are more letters from Lizzie out there or to Lizzie that that are going that are showing up? And I, I speculate on that a little bit in the, in the introduction, and I, I don't know if there are any more letters out there. Um, it seems that Lizzie was pretty good at keeping at least what I think most of the collection together, but I don't know how this letter got separated from the collection, and and I don't know how many more letters that there would be out there, or, or if there were other letter writers. Um, I, I don't even want to think of another person that I have to, to, to weave into the story. <laughs> well, it, it's, uh, I mean, it is a new way of doing historical research to, to keep one's, keep search queries open on, on eBay and other sites and, and yeah. always be uh, alert to the possibility this could happen. But I'm, I'm, I was very interested in your discussion of the, the quality of writing there. What we'll do is take a break, uh, rest our eyes for a moment and come back and talk more with our guest tonight james m sides is the editor of letters to lizzie the story of 16 men in the civil war and the one woman who connected them all i'm jerry prokopovich this is civil war talk radio Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice of America Variety Channel. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu.edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. 
welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking with our guest, Jim Sides, author of, editor, I should say, of Letters to Lizzie, the story of 16 men in the Civil War and the one woman who connected them all. So this is a book of letters, as we discussed in the first segment, uh, preserved today as a collection, all to or from Lizzie Brick of New Jersey, and 16 members of the Army of the Potomac who uh, who knew her one way or another before the war. Um, the the letters themselves, uh, well, I, let me ask this. Um, I've heard about uh, people who wrote letters uh, as a, a what, what's the word, not, not a charity, but as a way of supporting soldier morale, um, uh, uh, women who wrote to lots of soldiers and uh, others who, who wrote to lots of soldiers seeking possible matrimony. Uh, but they're writing to strangers, essentially, and starting relationships by letter. My understanding, reading these letters, is Lizzie knew all these people. Uh, they're all from the same social circle. Is that accurate? Yeah, so 14 of the 16 men have ties to this area, I mean this area where I live, because Herfville, which is where Lizzie and, and, and many of the men lived or lived close to Herfville, is maybe 15 or 20 minutes from my house. So um, 14 of the 16 men had, had a connection to, to Herfville or to her directly. So one of the men, uh, Benjamin Young, was her uncle. He was in the 56th Pennsylvania. Um, and then um, most of the men, uh, or actually, sorry, so two of the men are her cousins, uh, Edward mm-hmm. and Theodore Brick. And then most of the men that she knows or that she writes to, she knows from church, from the Bethel mm-hmm. Methodist Episcopal Church in her fill. So they're acquainted with each other, um, and they start these correspondences. The were there rules about about writing that you know? There's a sort of what's uh, uh, almost a titillation to the uh, subtitle of the book. Uh, the implication that, that Lizzie is writing to sixteen men. Uh, was it was it okay for uh, for someone a young unmarried woman like her to write to sixteen soldiers? Yeah, so that actually was a question that the reader of the manuscript made after I had finished the the initial draft, and it was something that they wanted me to add was to look at um, sort of the this boundary between male-female friendships or male-female relationships in the 19th mm-hmm. century. And, and um, so that was something that I added pretty late in the process, which actually I think it made it made the book a much, at least the introduction, a, a much better introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there, there really was this um, line uh, between um, sort of official or, or proper communication between friends. So um, they weren't to talk about anything intimate or anything um, uh, emotional. So they weren't really to open themselves up. The men, the men weren't to open themselves up uh, to any type of emotion in their letters to her. Um, some of the men you, you actually can see in the letters or read in the letters, 
they're they're guarded in in um, sort of what they say to Lizzie, especially in in their descriptions of of uh, the horrors of the battles that they yes. that they participate in, or the aftermath of battles, almost like wanting to guard her because you know they didn't think she had the stomach for it, or um, um, but so most of them. Um, it, they follow this. They follow. They fit within these parameters um, that were guided by. Um, I, I actually quoted in the book um, this Miss Leslie's behavior book, which provided men and women the do's and don'ts of proper letter writing. Um, I'm, I'm sure most of these men and Lizzie herself did not read Mrs. Leslie's behavior book, but my guess is that through communicating with other soldiers, they, they kind of got the, the idea of, you know, what was the proper way of communicating. Um, and, and or even some of the men, which I, I think that Isaac Clark, who's one of the first men of, of Lizzie's inner circle that leaves and goes to war, um, Isaac was illiterate. Um, and and oh. um, so I'm sure that his, whoever's writing his letters for him, um, I, I would hope that they, you know, sort of gave him an idea of, you know, what he can or, you know, what he could and what he couldn't or shouldn't say um, in, in his letters home to a to a woman that he wasn't courting or a woman that he wasn't in some kind of relationship with. So you say he was illiterate. So so he wrote his letters by by dictating them to someone else in the regiment. Yeah, yeah. All of the. Um, regimental records, either in Trenton or in uh, Washington, D.C., um, all of Isaac's, everything Isaac signs, he just signs with an X. So, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and, and the 13 letters that I have of Isaac's uh, that I, that I uh, put in the book here, mm-hmm. um, they're all varying quality. Some are very good uh, well written and 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 were very easy to transcribe, and then mm-hmm. other ones were kind of like the the, <laughs> the norm of 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 the of the rest of the collection. Well, that's one of the interesting things about this collection is that most letter collections that we have from the Civil War uh, tend to be from officers, tend to be from educated soldiers, upper class, uh, whose families are. You know, wealthy and stable enough to preserve the letters on into the 20th or 21st century before they get published, and uh, who themselves are, are, you know, good writers. We have many fewer letters published that are from, you know, soldiers uh, like the ones here, the the bulk of the ones that you you cite, who are not well educated necessarily. Uh, they're not illiterate, with the exception, you say, of, of Isaac Clark. But you you give their authentic spelling in the book. So uh, as a reader, I I had to go slow through some of the letters and and figure out exactly what's being said, uh, which I found oddly compelling. Uh, it it you you feel you really are getting in touch with the the soldiers' honest communication. This is how they sounded words out and put them on paper. Um, and we just don't see many collections like this. Yeah, it was interesting as I was as I transcribed the letters, and then as my my research assistant, who was one of our grad students, as he started helping me transcribe the letters, we got used to how each man wrote. 
um, mm-hmm. examples. So Jacob Park, um, who was one of the men who wrote quite a bit to Lizzie, and and um, maybe we can talk a little bit more about it, it later on. Um, right. But Jacob, um, whenever he wanted to write, whenever he wrote the number one, he always wrote a W-O-N, um, mm-hmm. which I had to, you know, get my brain used to <laughs> seeing that as as the number one, not we won something. Um, and and even even the editor, the copy editor uh, from Kent State, mm. he wrote so many little side notes in in <laughs> in the um, editing process. Is, are you sure this is? what it looks like in the original. And he's like, but they spelled it this way in one sentence and this way in another sentence. I'm like, there is no rhyme, rhyme or reason how they write. They just write, they just make up ways of spelling things and they wrote sort of stream of conscious. And, and um, yeah, actually it was, it was, it was really a fascinating project. And, and um, as I, as I wrote in, in, um, uh, my acknowledgments, you know, I, I brought Lizzie and her 16 men into my family because I would talk about mm-hmm. these men and, and I would talk about Lizzie at the dinner table with my wife and kids and, and or I would have my, my kids read the letters with me as I was trying to transcribe them. And they're like, well, at first they were, they were still pretty young at the beginning of the mm-hmm. process of, of when I started writing the book. And as they got older, they would, you know, read the letters with me and, and, they were like, boy, these these people can't spell, and I'm like, they probably had like a second grade education, many of them, you know, and they just wrote, they wrote phonetically, um, but it it really is a fascinating collection, and and um, as I mentioned in in, uh, in the, the front part of the book, I, I did a presentation on on the letters um, at the Society for Military Historians in in 2019, and and the reception that I got was so popular. I mean, so, so strong. And, and, um, I had a number of people come up to me afterwards and say, you really need to publish this collection like this. We've never seen a collection like this before. So, you know, sort of lit a fire under me to, you know, really get to work and, 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 and get it done. Well, it's a good thing that those people were right. This definitely does deserve publication. And I, I was laughing when you were talking, imagining the, the copy editor's nightmare uh, as they're going through trying to figure this out. And assuming, of course, that the, the author is wrong and they're going to, you know, that's what good copy editor does. They, they fly spec every line and make sure everything is, is changed to be consistent. And these people are not consistent. The... Uh, the one place where, where – I guess there's two places I can think of where you can find something at all comparable to this. Um, one is the Private Voices Collection. I think you referenced that mm-hmm. at one point. I did, yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, that's, is that University of Georgia uh, uh, where yeah, they're doing Steve that? Uh, Steve Barry's yeah. project. Uh, yes, yeah, Steve the, and uh, I actually talked at I'm, – I'm sorry, Jerry, go on. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Steve and I talked at, at um, CWI – in 2019 yeah it was mm-hmm. the first time i met you there at right. cwi um and and i talked to him about the letters and and i've talked to him quite a bit actually through email um 
about the about the collection. So he was pretty interested in in the collection. So yeah, I've looked at at, at private letter or sorry private voices, um, and yeah, I think that there are, there's some similarities in in the letters that they have on their site to the letters here in this book. I mean, they're specifically interested in the letters of these writers who are not the well-educated elite officers writing, and and so that isn't common with what you've got. Um, there's also the the website or collection of websites called Spared and Shared, yeah. um, that that puts uh, both images and transcriptions of of Civil War letters that uh, Griff, the webmaster. Uh, I don't know how many thousands of letters he must have up by now, but again, but his focus is not specifically as thematic as yours here. Um, but beyond that, for the most part, when you see a letter collection, it, it again, it's somebody uh, better educated. The one letter writer who you cite, who, whose work you you uh, reproduce here, who reads more like the kind of letters we're used to reading by somebody who knows what's going on and can write clearly, is. Uh, uh, Lizzie Brick's uncle, uh, uncle ben, I believe, ben. Be- Benjamin Young. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk about him. What's his story? One, one quick thing. So the the other yes. site that you mentioned, they actually have the letter that I bought on eBay um, from David. Uh, ah. They had that on that site. Um, I think that he was on your show a couple years ago. And he That's right. That, yeah, what he does when the when they come up for auction on eBay, he he um, transcribes them and puts them on his site, so that way they don't get put in someone's, you know, safe and and, and they then, never see the light of day again. So, right, exactly. Yeah. No, it's I, a wonderful I, I did. I looked on his site to see if there were more letters from from the guys from these sixteen guys, but um, um, there there weren't any more. Um, mm-hmm. Young Benjamin uh, is is really interesting. Uh, ben, Benjamin Young is, is really interesting. So he's. Um, Lizzie's mother's brother. Um, he was he grew up in Philadelphia. Um, I talked quite a bit in the uh, introduction about. I, I tried to give a little bit about each of the sixteen men and and kind of how they connected to Lizzie and how they connected to each other because I think that's really important to the story because um, not only is their relationship with with Lizzie important but their relationship most of these men are, are friends and, and they grew up together. So their relationship is, is important. Um, keeping that relationship uh, and, and keeping those friendships, it was really important um, during the war because they weren't in all, they weren't all in the same regiment. And, and sometimes they went months without seeing each other and, and, and used Lizzie as, as, you know, sort of the, the, the hub that kept all of them together. But, um, but Benjamin, back to Benjamin, um, yeah, he, he was really interesting. I, I mentioned in, in the book that, um, as I said, he, he grew up in Philadelphia. Um, he did not have a very happy marriage. Um, um, one of the documents in his pension record described him as a sporting man, um, which um, implied that he was unfaithful uh, to his wife and, and may have had some sort of drinking problem. Um, he left his wife a number of times before the Civil War. The last time, well, actually, when he left his wife uh, before the war, I think he left her three or four times. And 
he moved in with this lewd, quote-unquote, woman um, who was purported to be a prostitute. And each time he ended up coming back to his wife, and one of the times he gave his wife a, a quote, painful disease, um, which I speculate is some kind of sexually transmitted disease. Um, Shortly before the Civil War, he moved out again. He tore up his marriage certificate, uh, um, and and he just left his wife, Emma, and he didn't communicate with her during the war. Um, There's no evidence that he talked to her again for the remainder of his life. Um, But I really enjoyed his letters, and, and I enjoyed actually the relationship that he had with Lizzie because I read all these awful things about him in his pension file, but that doesn't really come out in his letters. Like he's, he's sweet to her in the letters and he's appreciative of, of, of all of her letters. And, and he's very religious and talks to her a lot about religion and, and him serving God. And, um, yeah, I really enjoyed his, his letters and, and they really were, they were a joy to, to transcribe because grammatically they were, they were, um, written pretty well, except he, he misspelled the word niece every time um, he would switch the E and the I. Um, so that was the only thing that, that was usually wrong in, 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 in all of his letters. Well, one of many fascinating correspondents in this book, the book is called Letters to Lizzie, the story of 16 men in the Civil War and the one woman who connected them all. The editor, our guest tonight, James M. Scythes. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. Welcome back to Civil War. 
Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking with James M. Scythes, editor of Letters to Lizzie, the story of 16 men in the Civil War and the one woman who connected them all. It's a remarkable collection of letters to and from Lizzie Brick of New Jersey, uh, 16 of her relatives and friends. The uh, one of the things that makes this collection unusual is that it's not just soldier letters. It's not an equal number of letters from Lizzie, unfortunately, but we do hear Lizzie's voice uh, in this book. Uh, can you talk about her letters? Yeah, so there are three letters written by Lizzie, two to Isaac really early in the war, and then one to her cousin Edward. Um, shortly after her visit to him when he was in the hospital in Newark in uh, the summer of 1863 uh, after he was wounded at Gettysburg. Um, I really like Lizzie's letters. Um, I, 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 I like, actually I quote it quite a bit from her letters to try to include her voice in, in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I like... Um, her focus, or she focuses quite a bit on religion, so um, uh, especially reminding Isaac, since he's really the first of, of her friends to go off to war, um, reminding him that he can die at any time and, and to remain um, um, true to his religion. And, and um, I, she says something like, if you have on the armor of Christ, uh, you die in a good and happy way, I think was she wrote to him pretty early in the war. Um, I, I like in in the early letters how um, she has this this desire to march off to war with her friends. She wants to yes. serve also. And um, I thought that that was really fascinating. I, I, I know I, I've, I've told you a number of times I listen to your show, your show every week, and you had on um, a few months ago, um, woman who wrote a book about uh, female soldiers in the Civil War, and, and as I read this part of, of Lizzie's letter, I was I, I that book quickly came to my mind, and um, I went to my shelf and pulled the book off, and I, I wanted to see. I, I didn't have committed to memory how many uh, women served um, um, in the army, and, and I, I quoted in the book. Um, the statistic that they used, which was, I think, 250 um, right. women disguised themselves. And, and here Lizzie wants to go off to war, and, and she says something to Isaac like, you know, if, if the government took women, um, her mother would surely lose thy daughter or something like that. Um, but since she couldn't go off to war, um, she said that she was a girl and she wasn't made to fight. So since she couldn't go off to war, um, she vowed that she would pray for the men and, and that she would write to them. And I think that this is what led to her, um, you know, writing to to all of these friends that she had made um, in church, uh, in, in her Sunday school class and, and, and uh, during church services. And I think this is what led to, to her being sort of the center of this, of this you know, collection of, 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 of people and, and, and correspondence uh, between so many men. I mean, she does very much come off as a strong personality. I think, um, and, and she 
one can picture her being one of those women that uh, it was Deanne Blanton who who wrote about yeah. them, and yeah. I I think the estimate of two fifty that she made you know twenty some years ago is, is only increased, and now people are guessing it's at least four hundred, but maybe you know in the thousands. Well, unlikely we will ever know. But yeah. when you earlier tonight said that. Uh, uh, you know, the soldiers moderated their, their language, their emotional tone, especially when describing the horrors of battle, because, you know, they didn't want to upset a female correspondent. Uh, but immediately I thought of Lizzie's early letters saying, I put a gun on my shoulder and go off to war if I could. She was, uh, uh, she did not sound like someone with a weak stomach. She was ready to go. No, uh, she's. She told Isaac that if he saw Jefferson Davis, and then she wrote above his name, traitor, and then uh-huh. <laughs> if, if he saw uh, Beauregard, and she wrote above him, traitor, um, that he was to shoot them for her um, and to bring peace to the nation or something like that. She writes in, yes. in the, either the first or second letter that she had written to him. So, yeah, you're right. Like, with, with Isaac, um, she seemed to be, I think— pretty open with Isaac and, and um, they seem to have a, 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 a pretty good relationship or a pretty good friendship where mm-hmm. um, I, I think that there are other, there are other letters from the collection that I didn't include in the book because they weren't to Lizzie, but I had a number of letters that were written to Isaac by other people from the community mm-hmm. that I, um, I took a couple quotes from and put in the book. Um, the scene that Isaac was pretty popular, and, and um, a number of, of, of the women in the community wrote to Isaac, so it seems that you know, he seemed to be pretty popular with the women in, in the area. So I don't know if Lizzie maybe had a crush on him, since some of the other women seemed to have crushes on him, too. Well, that, that brings us to an interesting point about the book. Um, and I will confess to you and recommend to listeners uh, I, I read the first few pages of the introduction. I, I learned, you know, basically what this is about and who Lizzie was, and then started reading a little more. And and you you cite some of the letters and say, and, and at one point he says this or she says this, and I realized these were all the good parts. These were all the spoilers. So I stopped reading the introduction, <laughs> and then went ahead and just read the letters, and then went back and read the introduction to see uh, who you know learn more about than I could draw from the letters themselves, get more background. But the, the question in my mind, and perhaps other readers' minds, when you start reading this, is 16 men, are any of them special to Lizzie? Uh, did, or are multiple ones? Is, is there anything going on here? Who else has a crush on Lizzie, or who, who has a relationship? Um, so, listeners, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about this now, if you want to uh, enjoy the book as a romance novel, then uh, then don't listen. Uh, it, it it seems that at least one soldier definitely seemed interested in in Ms. Brick. Yeah, and and earlier we talked about that that line between friendship and and mm-hmm. and, and love. And um, right. I think that Jacob Park, uh, who I mentioned a little earlier, that mm-hmm. I think Jacob really crossed that line um, in his letters. He really didn't hide the fact that he had feelings for Lizzie. Um, I, I, he wrote 13 letters to her during the war. 
and he talks about how he keeps her photo close to his heart and he wants her to be with him should he get shot and die, um, that she'll be close to his heart. He talks about dreaming about her and, and he wakes up and realizes she's not there and he starts to weep. Um, so I think that the, the, the language used in the letters, in his letters to her, I think clearly crossed that line. And, and um, I think Miss Leslie would not be happy with, um, with, with Jacob and, and some of the things that, that Jacob say. Um, Lizzie gets married during the war, and um, um, she gets married in February of, of 1864, and... Um, in Jacob's last letter to her, he reminds her of the day that he left for the military. Now, Jacob lived with her prior to the war. He worked on her stepfather's farm, so he worked as a laborer. Um, so he knew her very well and, and knew her family very well. And um, he mentions to her um, how... Um, he remembers the, the, the time that they spent together his last day um, in Herville, and, and he said that, and he remembers the time that we parted in the barn behind the old granary, and you gave me your last kiss. Um, so I'd like, to, I'd like to have your Civil War talk radio time machine and, and, and go back and <laughs> find out what, what more there is to that story. Um, apparently that kiss meant a lot more to him than it did to her um, because he clearly had had romantic feelings for her, which um, I, I, I talk a little later in, in the introduction about. I, I think that her cousin, Edward, may have also. Um, mm -hmm. Edward is an interesting person in the book. Um, he wrote by far the most letters to her during the war. Um, his letters are the ones that, um, how can I say, they, they kind of annoy me at times. <laughs> um, um, and, and, and some of the things that he complains about to her, but um, he writes to her um, how uh, she had written to him that a rat had crawled into her bed, and um, he wrote that if 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 he was the rat, he would have stayed in 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 the bed with her all night or something like that. And mm -hmm. and yeah, after I read after I read that, I just was like, ew. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, that that definitely clearly Jacob the line. Jacob yes. Jacob crosses the line. Clearly crosses the line. Well, while we're talking about spoilers, um, then again, listeners, if you want to read it and learn for yourself, then uh, fast forward here. Uh, what about, did these soldiers survive the war? Yes, yeah, so, so most of the men survived the war. Um, three of the 16 did not. Um, uh, three of the soldiers uh, died during the war or, or just immediately following the war. One of the soldiers mm -hmm. died um, actually in New Jersey right after his regiment was uh, mustered out. Um, he was sick and, and actually died in Trenton, and his body was brought back to Herfield and actually buried at Bethel 
uh, at the um, uh, Bethel Church Cemetery there in, in Herfield. Um, um, but yes, yeah, so most of the men survived. Um, I talk about in the epilogue um, what happened to each of the men, which mm-hmm. um, really that was sort of the most time-consuming part was you know, figuring out how they all connected, learning about each man, and then figuring out what happened to all of them after the war. And, and um, it, it, I was pretty successful with most. Um, Isaac, my cousin uh, Don, and I are still hunting for... Um, uh. We have our own little jokes of, you know, where we think Isaac is. Um, <laughs> we even joke that you know, Isaac will show up at one of my book signings that he actually isn't, <laughs> isn't gone. Like, we just can't find him anywhere. We, we uh, he, he found was, an Isaac. I'm sorry. Actually, he, he was the one who transferred from the regiment, uh, New Jersey regiment, into uh, a United States regular artillery battery. Yeah, and then he goes to, to California after the war, and he stays in California after the war, so he stayed, He gets out of the service in 1867, and um, he stays in the San Francisco area, and he's in the 1870 and 1880 census, and then he just disappears. And mm-hmm. um, um, we actually, um, Don was helping me research Isaac, and, and we actually hired someone to do some research for us out there, because I didn't want to travel to California. And... Um, mm-hmm. Um, we actually found a grave of an Isaac Clark who was in the military out in California, and uh, I would have bet everything that I had that that was Isaac. And so we we got the the death certificate, and um, the person was born in I think Illinois or Indiana. Uh, uh. Um, so I knew it wasn't Isaac because Isaac was born in New Jersey. So thankfully, we you know took that extra step to get the death certificate of that person. Um, or else I would have, you know, falsely identified put, Isaac mm-hmm. as being in this cemetery in California. So I don't know if Isaac moved. Unfortunately, the 1890 census doesn't exist. Um, so I don't know if he moved or, um, or, or, or if he died out there in California um, shortly after the census taker um, logged him into the census in, in the summer of 1880. So we're um, just at the end of our time, unfortunately, Jim. Uh, just to confirm, Benjamin Young um, was killed at North Anna. Correct. So, so yeah, in some so. ways, he 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 almost, you know, redeems that life of being a dissolute husband, uh, but he ends up giving his life for his country. Um, there, there's yeah. so much more in the book, and sadly, we are beyond the end of time. I've, I've got to bring us to a halt here. Uh, but what an interesting concept, an interesting book, Letters to Lizzie, the story of 16 men in the Civil War and the one woman who connected them all. It's edited by our guest tonight, James M. Scythes. Listeners, you will, I trust, find it as interesting as I did. To take a look at it. And Jim, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Jerry, for having me on. And listeners, as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.